2: Buckeye Talk. It's a Tuesday and it's Justin Fields Day here on your favorite Ohio State podcast. I'm Doug LaMaurice, Maurice, of course, with Nathan Baird and Stephen Means, your Ohio State coverage team from Cleveland.com. And we are digging in on Justin Fields because thinking about Justin Fields in the 2021 NFL draft is fascinating. This is going to be super interesting to watch the Justin Fields Trevor Lawrence battle to play out all year. We've talked about it a lot already. We're going to keep talking about it. Um, And I, we just like, we're almost jumping ahead a whole season. Justin Fields might win the Heisman in 2020. He might lead Ohio State to a national championship in 2020, but we are jumping ahead. We're jumping ahead. All right. Like Joe Burrow, right? Great. He won the Heisman in the national championship. We're jumping ahead. Joe Burrow was the number one pick for the Cincinnati Bengals. We're jumping ahead to the idea of Justin Fields in the 2021 NFL draft and Nathan Some of the stuff that you got from Ryan Day, and you have written about this at Cleveland.com, you asked Ryan Day about this on the Sunday conference call we had with Ryan Day, really spurred me on this into wanting to really, really, really talk about this, even though we've kind of already talked about it. The idea that Ohio State has not been QBU at all in terms of developing NFL quarterbacks what Ryan Day said to you about what he wants it to be, God, I thought it was so interesting. He sort of said things like it, but he made a really strong stand on what he thinks Ohio State should be in terms of developing quarterbacks and how he thinks it's his responsibility.
1: Yeah, so this was all sort of spurred by a couple of things. One was a podcast um, nugget that you brought up a few weeks ago about how there's only been six seasons where in the NFL where an Ohio State quarterback has thrown even 10 touchdown passes and four of those were Mike Tomczak it's just been really rare that Ohio State quarterbacks get in the NFL and have real success um, at least as quarterbacks and on top of that as I was um, looking back through some draft stuff um, I noticed that Art Schliester in 82 is the only one from the common era the common draft era so going back to late 60s um, that has ever been drafted in the first round, and I think he's only. There was a guy back in the 40s who was drafted in the first round, but um, went into the military and, and 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 died. I'm sure Ohio State people know who that is, and I, I can't remember the name off the top of my what? head. What you just? I, I like I how just found know, out about it today. He
2: said uh, and, and died. <laughs> went into the military. <laughs> he he
1: served he served our country valiantly, and I wish I could remember his name right now. But um, but it's it's, it's just say it's scarce, right? The NFL draft history of Ohio State quarterbacks in the first round is scarce. So I was curious to Ryan Day, like, um, I don't really, you know, I didn't really want to know about what he thought about Davon Hamilton. At, at, at this point, that doesn't matter to me. I think what, our readers also want to know. Why do you have to
2: just take a swipe at Davon Hamilton?
1: <laughs> or you could God. put put any put anybody from this year's draft in there. I didn't really, I wasn't that concerned about his opinion about the past. I think a lot of our readers want to know what does he think about the future, and in particular with, with like you said, mock drafts already out about Justin Fields being a first-round pick, high first-round pick, maybe the number one pick next year. You know, where does that, finding those guys and developing those guys with that target in mind, where does that fit into his vision for this program? And his answer was, it's huge. Um, he thinks that that's it's kind of central to the program. It's critical for where he wants his program to go. And not only that, but he got here in 2017 and kind of looked around and saw what Ohio State's history was for developing quarterbacks. And as the quarterbacks coach, I think he took it upon himself, or at the time as a quarterbacks coach, took it upon himself to change that, to to start a new direction for this program, and to make this a place that incubates NFL quarterbacks and, and develops ones who get up there, as we talked about in the last podcast, get up there and stick and make themselves productive quarterbacks and, and have, have Ohio State be known for quarterbacks the way it's known for right now, defensive ends, defensive backs, um, wide receivers, even, you know, those are the places Ohio State has a reputation for developing those guys and having them get in the NFL and be real talents and, and guys who make a difference. And that's not happening in quarterback. He wants it to happen. You saw it start with Dwayne Haskins being a first round pick. We still don't know where Dwayne's, career is going to go but that kind of broke the drought of the first round picks now Justin potentially being a first round pick you're bringing in five star recruits at quarterback for each of the next two classes 2022 is already you know started off strong and this is a sales pitch he's bringing to them right it involves the guys who've been here it involves Joe Burrow and kind of the foundation that he's kind of selling other people that Joe Burrow got at Ohio State before he went off to LSU you can argue whether that's completely fair or not but I think there's some truth to it um that's what he's trying to sell this you know Ohio State's supposed to in Ryan Day's vision Ohio State eventually becomes a place where you talk about quarterbacks the way that you currently talk about defensive backs defensive ends some of these other positions
2: so that's the plan Stephen is that a realistic plan for Ohio State
0: to be QBU so, yeah actually it it, it, it it is realistic Kyle McCord's already I mean like to Nathan just said, they're already kind of on that trail. Kyle McCord is the second highest rated quarterback commit Ohio State's ever had behind trail prior, of course. And then CJ Stroud's at number five on that list. And so you're you're already started there. And then in 2022, they've offered four guys, three of which are pro-style guys, two of which are from from the West Coast. Ryan Day is the perfect guy to do that because it seems like a lot of these high-level quarterbacks, that that's how it starts, right? A player wants to play for a certain position because he knows he can he can develop him, and from that, they fall in love with the school. You've seen that with Larry Johnson, where a lot of those defensive ends, they come here because they get a chance to learn from Larry Johnson, and then they fall in love with Ohio State. Defensive backs came here because they wanted to play for Kerry Combs, and then within that, they fell in love with Ohio State. And Ryan Day can be that for the quarterback room, where Kyle McCord fell in love with Ryan Day first, and then it was he fell in love with Ohio State. And He fell in love with Ryan Day because his head coach in high school had, had a relationship with Ryan Day. So that's how it starts. If you want to be a position, a a position, you of whatever it is, is you fall in love with the guy who happens to be really good at developing your position. And then within that, you fall in love with the school. And so they seem to be on the right track doing that so far.
2: So the guy that Nathan was talking about, by the way, is Don Scott, who was a two-time yes. All-American quarterback at Ohio State. Um, Rest in
0: peace to Don Scott.
2: His bomber crashed in England uh, during World War II. And he was just 23 when he died. So. We're not. I mean, obviously.
1: I did not mean to speak dismissively of him. I was just. No,
2: in. I just the way you said it. This was like. <laughs> <laughs> you shoved him off in the corner like he does. It was like, uh, yeah. It's just funny. I mean, it's all. It's one of those things. It's not funny, but it's like. Whenever you talk, and we're we're in the midst of this right now, right? Which is like the thing everybody, to varying degrees, is like sometimes struggling with, and sometimes able to acknowledge sort of the ridiculous of itness of it all. It's like when you mix real life and sports. And it's like, we're talking about why hasn't Ohio State had a quarterback succeed on the NFL? And then it's just like the idea of like, well, they had a guy one time who was, but he died serving his country in the war. And it's like, well, that's not what we're talking. Of course, that's not what we mean, but it is. So Don Scott is a guy that Ohio State um, fans, uh, the, the most loyal fans certainly know his situation. Um, but the history, right? I'm going to run through this very quickly. But you can write this down if you're listening and you'd like to write this down. If you just – sometimes you have a little list you carry around in your wallet, right? So maybe you want a list of every quarterback, every Ohio State quarterback ever drafted. Just so you have an idea of the history that, like, Justin Fields and Ryan Day are trying to buck here a little bit. So, um, all right, Les Horvath was a first-round pick. He's kind of like a quarterback but not really, more like a halfback Heisman Trophy winner. That was in 1943, okay? So he's the, he's won. Uh, then we had Don Scott. 1955, Johnny Borton goes in round four to the Browns. 1959, Frank Columbus goes round 13 uh, to the Giants. 1971, Ron Majikowski is drafted in the 13th round. Uh, no, the 23rd round, excuse me. Uh, Rex Kern. No, I'm, I'm screwing all this up. Ron Majikowski was in the 15th round. Rex Kern, super soft star, was a 10th round pick in 1971. So again, Rex Kern, who was like a transformational figure in Ohio State football history as a quarterback, was a 10th round pick. Uh, 1974, Greg Hare in the 8th round. 1976, Cornelius Green in the 11th round. 1982, Art Schliester in the 1st round. As Nathan said, the only 1st rounder before Dwayne Haskins. 1987, Jim Carsados in the 12th round. 1988, in the third round, Tom Tupa. 1992, Kent Graham in the eighth round. 1996, Bobby Hoying in the third round. 1999, Joe Germain in the fourth round. 2002, Steve Bellisari in the sixth round. 2004, Craig Krenzel in the fifth round. Troy Smith, 2007, in the fifth round. Rell Pryor, supplemental draft, 2011, in the third round. Cardale Jones, fourth round in 2016. And then Dwayne Haskins in the first round in 2019. It just goes to show, like, there's no history of this, right? Like, Nathan, are you, I think we asked, I might have asked you the same question before, but, like, are you shocked by that, that they're, that they're, they are in the argument for DBU. They've at times been been in the argument for LBU. They can claim DEU. They have had some times where you could say they're WRU. They have never been QBU. That NFL draft history of Ohio State quarterbacks, what do you think of it? Well,
1: I mean, obviously there was an era of of college football where you could have great success and not necessarily have to have the kind of what a modern quarterback is um Ohio State's not the only program that did that and and, and even since our Sleicher right i mean they had a Heisman trophy winning quarterback they had um they won two national championships since then so it's they not They got that a quarterback
2: you, who was the number 1 recruit in the country Terrell Pryor right right just to say, yeah, like, but, like but, said, Troy, Terrell, national championships. Yes, you're right, you're right. Right, 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 right.
1: So, I mean, it, it's, it's not like they've, it's, it's been vacant as far as their success at the college level. But in terms of the ones, it is surprising that they haven't had someone else break through and produce and become a, 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 a college or an NFL talent. Now, some of that may be, again, just what the priorities of the program were at the time. Um, this was a program that's, that I think, been known for a long time for turning out running backs that actors into it possibly as well but yeah I think I, it does catch me by surprise I assume it probably caught Ryan Day even a little bit by surprise when he got here and looked around and that may have been part of what set him on this path
2: and, and part of it is clearly I mean Woody was not producing NFL quarterbacks Well, I mean the, the game was different back then too but Woody wasn't throwing it Earl Bruce wasn't producing NFL quarterbacks John Cooper went more that direction but like John Cooper is just greatest talent was finding guys at receiver, finding guys on the offensive line. He just didn't quite ever have that dude. And had a, people, when I asked a couple of weeks ago, um, what's the defining player of the John Cooper era? Lots of people responded. I said, tell me on text. Eddie George, of course, winning the Heisman. I sort of like didn't think of that. Eddie George, again, a running back of that era. And then Jim Tressel wasn't necessarily like trying to develop NFL quarterbacks with you know the style they often ran. And then Urban clearly was not. I mean, like Urban always liked to talk about Alex Smith and Tim Tebow, and he tried to claim Cam Newton, but Urban's style was not a style that matched up with what the NFL wanted from quarterbacks at that time. And so like the Ryan Day era is just kind of, they. I think it's not that they failed at it, it's that they never really tried to do it before, before Ryan Day. So part of it is though, who is QBU? Like, Alabama is interesting in that it's very similar to Ohio State in that they've had great players, they've won titles, they've produced NFL guys, but they haven't done it a quarterback. I mentioned Joe Namath a couple of weeks ago. Some people responded and said, how could you leave out Kenny Stabler? And that was my fault. But to the point of that, Tua Tonga-Bailoa just drafted in the first round as an Alabama quarterback, Right. The last Alabama quarterback to go in the first round before Tua was Richard Todd in 1976. That's very similar to the gap between Dwayne Haskins and Art Schliester in 1982. Um, Kenny Stabler, a second-round pick at quarterback for Bama in 68. Joe Namath, the first overall pick in 65. But that's not what Alabama had to do to win. That's not what Ohio State had to do to win. So I'm going to throw this out to both of you guys on 20 seconds notice because I think it's about perception. Who do you think is QBU? I added up, I I went through, there have been since 1994, which is when the draft went to seven rounds, there have been 70 quarterbacks between 1970, excuse me, between 1994 and 2020, 70 quarterbacks drafted in the first round. Which schools do you think have the most? And I will tell you there are, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 15 schools since 1994 to have at least two quarterbacks drafted in the first round. Okay. Only dealing with the first round, we're only dealing since 1994. If you had to guess, and that's all this is, who do you think is QBU? Nathan, who's your guess? I think Oregon is high on that list. Steven, who's your guess?
0: I would say...
2: Oklahoma? Good guesses. Tied at the top with four each, Oregon and USC.
0: Hmm. Okay. That was my next guess. That makes sense, yeah.
2: The three schools with three are Oklahoma, Florida State, and Cal. Then the schools with two, Tennessee, Virginia Tech, Central Florida, Marshall, Tulane, Florida, Texas A&M, LSU, Auburn, and Louisville. Of those schools, five in the SEC, three in the Pac-12, three in the ACC, one in the Big 12, and three schools from other smaller conferences. One of the unifying things there is warmer weather, right? Now that's like applies to everything in college football. It applies to the States and the conferences that have the most talent around them because in Texas and Florida and Southern California, you can have that. But I think it might be going by like perception and cliches and that kind of thing. If we ran through a similar thing with running backs, you know, there'd be some Ohio state guys on that list. There'd be some Penn state running backs on that list Some Wisconsin running backs on that list. Clearly over time, Being a Northern Conference, I think, has hurt the Big Ten, both in attracting these kind of quarterbacks and developing these kind of elite quarterbacks. But also, you're not necessarily talking about the best programs in the country. USC, you are, but Cal, Tennessee, Virginia Tech, Central Florida, Oregon, those aren't the best programs in the country. You can kind of understand why Ohio State hasn't been QBU, but I think maybe you can also understand why there's maybe an opportunity for Ohio State to head that way if they want to, right? That list. What else do you think of that list, Nathan? When you when you hear all those schools I listed off as the schools that have had more than one first-round quarterback since 1994. You're asking if I
1: feel like there's a common denominator there.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, did that list surprise you at all, or did you? Was that like, no, that's about that's about what I thought. But again. We've talked about this, again, to a, to an extent over the years. We know the Big Ten stinks at producing first-round quarterbacks. So it's, there's no Michigan. There's no Penn State. There's no Wisconsin. There's no Iowa, right? Um, but is I mean, that expected? The, the thing that does jump
1: out at you is geography. I mean, as you're rattling off that list, you're not getting it. Again, because of the Big Ten. I mean, the Big Ten being kind of a vacancy there, that's where you would get um, – even some of the guys who've come through the Big Ten here recently, um, you know, Russell Wilson – kind of backdoored into the big 10, right? He wasn't a, a Midwest, um, developed guy. So, um, Drew Brees is
2: from Texas, Tom Brady, California.
1: Drew Brees is from Texas. And he also, um, was not going to end up at Purdue. He was, you know, uh, Joe Tiller was at Wyoming. He was one of the few coaches that was even really paying attention to him because Drew Brees had torn his ACL in high school. Purdue kind of backed its way into Drew Brees. Things really kind of lined up well for them there. So, yeah, I mean, it's, that it's, it's it's, until the big 10 as a whole solves that. I think you're going to see it, that trend to continue.
2: Steven, do you think in the modern day that the weather is any impediment to Ohio state um, trying to be QBU or is it clearly not an issue because Jack Miller's from Arizona and CJ Strouds from California, and they both
0: picked Ohio state. It's not, it was an issue until Ryan day got here and that changed a lot of different things because, you know, Ryan Day's not from the he, he played quarterback and he's not from the West coast. He's from New Hampshire. So he understands, you know, developing a quarterback, especially in this type of weather. And, and then a lot of these guys are probably thinking, I'm trying to get to the NFL where I clearly have no control over where I go. But if I get drafted by the Cleveland Browns and, you know, then weather is going to be a situation every single week as a quarterback, when you know we're talking about a passing game. And so I don't think as the weather is as much of an issue as maybe it was in the nineties where you know USC was benefiting from the fact that a lot of these high-level quarterbacks were also in their backyard. And so weather, weather is not an issue, along with the fact that USC is not good right now. these I don't think players are thinking about that anymore when they get to the college level. They want to know if the guy they're going to be playing for can develop them.
2: As I've mentioned before on this podcast, I have family in New Hampshire, and I can attest that New Hampshire is even colder than Ohio. So Ryan Day um, knows what it's like to be a cold-weather quarterback. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and tell you where Justin Fields is going to land, which team is going to draft him in the 2021 NFL draft. We'll be right back on Buckeye Talk. All right, we're going to delve in hard now on Justin Fields. And first of all, again, we're going to have repeat discussions on this dude because he's that good and there's nothing else going on. So like, I think we could have a podcast a week about Justin Fields and you guys would listen to it and we could make it interesting. Steven, when you think about Justin Fields as an NFL quarterback, as an NFL prospect, what is it that excites you the most about it? What is it that that makes you think, yeah, this guy is not just a good quarterback at Ohio State, but
0: I think he can succeed as a pro? It's the physical aspects of his game. But also just he's got a really strong arm that we got to see at times. And you've written about it multiple times. The the routes so that he would throw from the opposite hash and make it look like it was the easiest throw in the world when we all know how hard of a throw that is. And then the running ability that he adds with it. He's every, When you look at where the NFL quarterback is going today, whether it's Lamar, Jack, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, he embodies all of that, a guy with a strong arm, who can also take off and make a play on his own with his legs. And that's where it's going. And he he fits that mold perfectly. Nathan,
2: obviously people know you went down to Georgia and did some on the scene reporting about Justin Fields uh, during the last football season. Did you get the sense as you talk to people around Justin that, that they thought when he was young that like, yeah, this dude is an NFL quarterback. How, how you know, college, you have to go to college before you can get to the NFL. But how, how long has the NFL been on Justin Fields' mind, do you think?
1: I think people there in Kennesaw knew he was a pretty special athlete as a, a young guy. Um, I don't know that they thought NFL immediately. You got to remember, he was a little bit of a late arrival as far as a major national recruit. Um, but certainly by the time he was like a junior in high school and things like QB one start happening, he starts rising up to being like the number one recruit in the nation for a little while. And then settling in at number two, Uh, by that point, when you're that high of a quarterback prospect in high school, I think people do naturally say, well, where are you going to go to college to prepare yourself for the NFL? I mean, I think the other factor there though, as far as maybe people not making that jump in their minds, um, the people around him at the time is also one of the things that I think is why I think he could be really successful in the NFL is just kind of his makeup and his personality. I mean, he comes from a strong, a good family, um, you know, a a dad that I think has helped keep him in line and given him good lessons over the years and um, that he's just a guy who is pretty down to earth and, and treats people well. And, and those sorts of things, he wasn't like he carried himself as a big shot. Certainly when, you know, Nick Saban starts landing a helicopter out on the the baseball field or whatever to come see you, people kind of figure out what's going on, but it wasn't something he was pushing in their face. So I think maybe his, it it wasn't until very late in his high school career that people started to see, oh, this, he could be one of those guys. We could be Sunday talking about Justin Fields, the guy we watch play on Sundays in the
2: NFL. I think, I think, his athletic his package of skills like he doesn't even just his height and weight tua tua tonga by nfl combine measured at six foot two hundred and seventeen pounds Joe Burrow, 6'3 21 Justin Herbert 6'6 236 um, Tua and and Joe highly productive uh, Justin Herbert really good at Oregon, but also just that big guy that I think, you know, NFL teams, some NFL teams still fall in love with. Um, Justin Fields, Ohio State lists him at 6'3", 228. That's three inches taller than Tua and 11 pounds heavier than Tua. Um, And people were talking about like a healthy Tua, right? Like Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow is a lot of like read the defense. Like, I mean, Joe's a good athlete, but like people, I think, I think if you went by just athletic traits in this class, if, if, there, if everybody's healthy, I think Tua would have the best athletic traits at quarterback. And you think about that Justin is three inches taller than Tua, and just is like a next step above that, um, I think it's all the stuff you guys said, it's, it's that he's got the right, I think, mental makeup for it. I think he's got the right kind of guy developing him. And then he just has almost every natural piece of the skill set that you would want. Um, I mean, he's almost like Kyler's little, right? Kyler's little, the the top pick two years ago. Baker was little, the top pick two years ago. Joe Burrow was like a late developer and a five-year guy, the top pick this year. When you think about Justin Fields in comparison to them, again, God, I am simultaneously making fun of Ohio State homers on this podcast and sounding like an Ohio State homer. (laughs) Steven, when you think about it, I mean, it almost, I think you could make a case, and it's the same case you'd make for Trevor Lawrence. I think like Justin Fields is almost like the perfect NFL quarterback prospect for where the league is in 2021.
0: He is. That's not a. That's not a homer statement. That's a very obvious statement. You know, the the physical, the size, the running ability, the strong arm. The he threw. He too He threw one interception before the last 30 minutes of his of his season last year, and one of those interceptions in the Clemson game was to a top 10 pick in NFL draft. He has the full package as an as an NFL prospect, which is why. The only guy who was rated ahead of him coming out of high school is the other guy who also has the full package as an NFL prospect.
2: Strategically, and we're going to get into some NFL stuff here, and we're not pretending to be NFL experts, but we are pretending to be podcast hosts who like to speculate. Um, When you look at if there was a team, right, that wanted a quarterback that maybe could have tried to jump um, up to get somebody, Would it have been strategically sensible to sort of wait, say, I'm not going to go nuts? Of course, the Bengals are going to take Joe Burrow at one. He falls in their laps. But would it have made sense for other teams to maybe say, we're going to chill out, stock up on defense, do some other things, and target Justin and Trevor in 2021 because we think they are special, special, special. Is it possible that Fields and Lawrence are at a level where holding off and targeting them would maybe make sense for some teams, Nathan?
1: Um, I mean, I think if you need a quarterback to win next year, and you think there was one to go get, I, I would, I would um, question that strategy. But I also think if you're someone who's maybe in that middle area, well, let's t- let's take the Chicago Bears for example, um, who are not enamored with the guy that they picked in the first round a couple of years ago and paid a great price to do it, and just uh signed kind of a a short-term solution there potentially, but some, there was some speculation that maybe they would go try to find another, you know, their quarterback of the long-term future. But to trade up, especially because they had no first-round picks, it wouldn't have really made a whole lot of sense for them, I think, to chase, to pay a lot of draft capital and chase up to get somebody like that. So next year, assuming they suck again, which who knows if they will or not, but they could be, you know, drafting near the top of the first round, and then that becomes a more manageable situation. So I think it's more teams like that, the ones that are kind of tweener, that maybe they don't need that guy yet but they're on the cusp it makes sense to maybe hang back and take that shot next year
2: so there is a story on our website that went up because we are ahead of the game at cleveland.com matt Gould did a mock draft for 2021 it went up 6 a.m on sunday morning under the headline nfl mock draft 2021 clemson's trevor lawrence ohio state's justin fields could battle to be the top pick in cleveland Here is Matt Gould's mock draft. And again, we're going to be honest about this. Matt Gould, none of us. Tim Bielik does a lot of mock drafts for us. You guys know Tim. Matt Gould's our high school reporter. These guys are not crunching film. There are the people who do mock drafts because like they crunch film and talk to NFL executives. And then there's the other 95% of mock drafters who do mock drafts based on the other mock drafts. So it's just, you know, what's out there. But that's fun. It's fun. It's supposed to be fun. Number one, Jacksonville takes Trevor Lawrence. Number two, Washington takes Penny Sewell, the Oregon left tackle that Ohio State's going to see in week two. Number three, Miami takes Jamar Chase, the LSU wide receiver. Number four, Carolina takes Justin Fields. Number five, the Jets. Let's see, anybody else? I don't have time to go through all. Here are the teams I went through. I came up with seven teams that I thought could have the correct combination of stinking in 2021 and needing a quarterback that I think are the seven most likely targets for Justin Fields. Because there's at least half the league that I think right now has young enough quarterbacks that they believe in, maybe maybe more than half. Um, you know what, I'll throw that one to you I have 18 teams that have kind of youngish quarterbacks that they believe in that would just like prevent them from taking Justin Fields. Arizona, Kyler Murray, Miami with Tua, the Jets with Sam Darnold, Buffalo with Josh Allen, Cincinnati with Burrow, Cleveland with Baker, Houston to Watson, Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes, the Chargers with Justin Herbert, the Giants with Daniel Jones, the Eagles with Carson Wentz, and the Cowboys with Dak Prescott. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's 12. That's 12. And then I have one, two, five other teams, Atlanta with Matt Ryan, the Packers with uh, Aaron Rodgers. They just took Jordan Love also. Minnesota with Kirk Cousins, Seattle with Russell Wilson, and the Rams with Jared Goff that, like, they also are set enough at quarterback that they're not going to be in the market, right? So that's at least 17. Then you have teams like the Patriots, the Steelers, the Colts, Titans, Saints. The Bucks with Brady, the Niners with Garoppolo, like they're just too good. They're so good, they're not going to be in the mix in the top five or top ten to be interested in these guys. So then here are the, the teams that I have left. Jacksonville Jaguars, their quarterback is Gardner Minshew, and they're probably going to stink. The Detroit Lions, Matt Stafford is their quarterback. We can get more into that, but they just had the third pick. They might stink. The Las Vegas Raiders, Derek Carr is their current quarterback. I'm not sure Gruden's enamored with him. They might stink. The Redskins with Dwayne Haskins, it would be fascinating. They did not give up on Dwayne after a year, but Ron Rivera is going to get a year-long look at Dwayne Haskins. I'm not trying to put Dwayne on the clock, but some people were already putting him on the clock. If they do not have a good year and Dwayne is not good, I think the Redskins would think about it and think what the idea of like Justin Fields replacing Dwayne Haskins would be crazy. The team that Nathan already mentioned, the Bears with Mitch Trubisky, they might be ready to give up on Mitch, who's a Northeast Ohio guy. Uh, and then Carolina has Teddy Bridgewater that they just signed, and Denver has Drew Locke, who is a young quarterback but is not a first-round guy. So if Don Elway doesn't like what he sees, they drafted a bunch of receivers, uh, Henry Ruggs and K.J. Hamler in Denver. Uh, no, not Henry Ruggs. Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler in Denver. Um, if they don't like what they see from Drew Locke, they could be interested in a quarterback. So. We have Justin Fields in our mock draft going to Carolina and Jacksonville taking Trevor Lawrence. Number one, total speculation. Nathan, me, uh, St- Nathan means I do that sometimes. Stephen, Steven, which NFL team will draft Justin Fields in the 2021 NFL draft? I go with the
0: Panthers and which would be amazing given that I think that's the best comparison for him. And Teddy Bridgewater just, seems like a holdover throughout this season. If he goes in there and he's basically the new and improved Cam Newton without some of maybe the off the field stuff that I guess comes with being Cam Newton, I I think for a team who's probably starting from scratch, I think that's probably the best bet for him right now is Carolina Panthers. Would be super interesting for a Georgia guy, for yeah. either of those guys to end up in Carolina. Yeah.
2: I think if Carolina ended up with either Fields or Lawrence, like that fan base would go bonkers they had a great interesting run with cam kind of came to a weird end i think the panthers would be all in on that even though they signed teddy bridgewater this offseason um he's a 20 million dollar cap hit in 2021 so like teddy's going to be the starter in carolina this year and he's going to be on the roster in 2021 because they can't get off of it but you could draft a quarterback matt rule a new guy there a new coach right they have joe brady uh, who was Joe Burrow's coordinator at LSU. He's the new offensive coordinator in Carolina. They signed Teddy Bridgewater because Joe Brady knew Teddy Bridgewater because Joe Brady had been with the Saints. And Teddy Bridgewater was the backup there behind Drew Brees. So they kind of picked Teddy Bridgewater. But if they stink, they drafted defense at every spot in this draft. So if they don't win in year one with Matt Rule, they just want defense, they will go offense. And if And if they think they have a chance for a franchise quarterback that's a step above Teddy Bridgewater, I think they will absolutely go that way. And I think Carolina is like an excellent idea of a landing spot for Justin Fields. Who jumps to mind, first of all, for you, Nathan?
1: I'm going to take uh, his hometown team, the Atlanta Falcons.
2: Interesting. So are they getting off? So the comparison here is the Chargers had Phillip Rivers forever. They decided that's it. They go young and draft Justin Herbert. This is the end of the Matt Ryan era in Atlanta.
1: I, I think it might be. It's just, I mean, the, the, where he's going to be next year in terms of a cap hit is, is pretty huge. And, um, you know, it, it just it, similar, even more so than Carolina. I mean, what a better fit to potentially get to come back and star in your, your hometown um, team. I just, uh, now the, the, the caveat here being, I think the Falcons might actually still end up being pretty good um but if that doesn't happen I think you're gonna see changes there and I think this could be part of it just kind of you know revamping things
2: it is they have a lot of yeah they would have a lot of Matt Ryan's contract as such it is hard to get off Matt Ryan's contract until after the 2022 season um I don't know it it could be interesting I mean it's one of those things too it's like it's always curious with that teams like Whatever. Okay, whatever. Dude, this is the deal. But like, if you think this guy is special, do you just make it work? Right? Um, I think Jacksonville is gonna, I always wonder what words, suck is okay, right? To say suck on this podcast. Do you think that's okay? Yeah.
0: I mean, you've already said it a couple of times. Yeah.
2: Can I say blow? Can I say Jacksonville is gonna blow or no? Is that different? Can I not say that? Uh, Someone make a call on our podcast. I should not be the purveyor of
1: taste on this podcast.
0: Jacksonville
2: will not have a good year. Okay. Stephen Means, the voice of reason, jumping in to save me for myself, even though, of course, we have no editor, and you guys just heard me say that anyway. Jacksonville is going to be awful, and – not that it matters, but it's like, again, it's like two guys from Georgia who, you know, can go right down the road to Jacksonville. Like, I think Jacksonville's going to end up with one of these two guys. I also think with the way you watch the Raiders, the Raiders are in love with Clemson. Isn't it weird how much the Raiders love Clemson? They took, as someone pointed out, someone texted at us, and I love this kind of stuff. Someone texted at me during the draft, your boy Toby Muse got picked. Guys, remember when I couldn't remember Tanner Muse's name and then, like, he caught J.K. Dobbins from behind and, like, won the semifinal for Clemson? Because he's, like, a safety who runs a 4-3 and J.K. runs, like, a 4-5 or a 4-6 and he tracked him down. They took two Clemson guys, I think, this year. We know they took Clemson guys last year. Like, I just think that maybe John Gruden and Mike Mayock, like, since the moment they got to the Raiders, have been, like, no matter what, like, we are taking Trevor Lawrence. And so, like, I don't know how bad the Raiders were 7-9 and nine last year. They'd have to be worse than that this year. I think they might just tell everybody on the whole team to just go play craps all night during the whole fall <laughs> and, like, try to go 0-16 because they really want Trevor Lawrence in Vegas. So, like, if I had oh. to guess – what's that? That
0: would be interesting.
2: I just, I just they think – so if I had to pick right now, I'm going to project Trevor Lawrence – to the Mayock, Gruden, Clemson-loving Vegas Raiders, and I really like the idea. I think by far the two leading candidates for Justin are Carolina and Jacksonville. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're going to stink. I think Detroit is interesting. Stafford again. Both Carolina and Stafford would have would have big cap hits on their veteran QBs for 2021, which might just mean that you keep them around. Maybe you ease the quarterback you draft into it, but um, I, I'll be curious where Detroit goes. I think Detroit's going to be bad again. I think this might be it. I mean, no offense to Jeff Okuda and Jay Sean Cornell and Jonah Jackson. Um, they they took DeAndre Swift. Um, they've taken some, some running backs. They've been trying to help out there, but I could see it going south in Detroit this year and it being the end of the Matt Patricia era and them coming in hot with the new quarter. Uh, and, and Matt Patricia is a defensive coordinator from the Belichick tree. Lots of times you go for the opposite. I could see Detroit In 2021, having a hot, young offensive head coach who wants a new quarterback and them having been terrible, and that could be a landing spot for Justin Fields as well. But at the moment, so those are my three, Jacksonville, Carolina, and Detroit as the most likely landing spots because I'm putting Trevor Lawrence uh, in Vegas. Again, we're just totally projecting and making stuff up right now, right now. Number one pick in 2021, is it Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields? Steven, we're making you go first.
0: I think it might be Justin Fields. Um, I think because Trevor Lawrence is going to be a three-year starter, I think scouts are going to get two years of picking him apart and going, okay, what's wrong with him, while Justin's only going to get one year of that one one extra year of that. So I think Justin Fields might end up winning that out because of it.
2: Nathan.
1: I'm going to say Trevor Lawrence because of kind of what you alluded to before. I think there's maybe some, some front offices that have been sitting around and locked in on him for a little while. And somebody's going to – there's going to be some confirmation bias there and somebody's going to mm-hmm. talk themselves into just being all in on him no matter what.
2: I do think it's going to be more like um, 2018 with Baker Mayfield – and Sar excuse me, Sam Darnold, maybe even some Josh Allen in there, that people there wasn't a hundred percent consensus around the league. I think if you know the Browns had the number one pick that, that year, I think uh, if another team had, had the number one pick, Darnold may have gone. You know, as everyone who anyone who followed that knows, you know, Baker Mayfield became the at least from the perception standpoint, the, the number one pick for the Browns very late in the process. A lot of people early on. There's Mel Kuiper thought it was gonna be Josh Allen. There was a lot of Darnold talk. And it kind of came around to Baker late. I don't think it'll be that varied. It's only going to be two guys, but I think it's going to be, and I don't know exactly the last time it was like an absolute dual head to head battle, maybe Ryan Leaf and Peyton Manning, but I would not be surprised if in the end for that draft, it's like 16 teams would take fields and 16 teams would take Trevor Lawrence. I think because Trevor Lawrence played longer, I think it could go either way. I think Steven, you're right. The smart thing is that a lot of times guys do get picked apart but yet also people hammered that with Mitch Trubisky. He would only been a one-year starter at Carolina. They do like the experience. And so Trevor Lawrence has a year longer of that. And I think there could be – you know how – I mean, NFL teams are bonkers nuts sometimes. Sometimes they get – you know, well, what does it mean that Justin Fields run from a fight or whatever? You know, sometimes that kind of stuff works into it as opposed to, you know, Trevor Lawrence went there and won a job at Clemson. But the other part of it is, too, um, you know, the Clemson coaching staff is great. But Ryan Day, right? I mean, like, Ryan Day, they don't, they don't have the people at Clemson who, like, have the NFL connections and are developing a guy in a pro-style system. I think this system and Ryan Day being his coach could, like, be an edge for Justin Fields. Do you think that could be one of the things that helps put Justin over the top in comparison to Trevor Lawrence and Steven?
0: Uh, I think – just because Ryan Day has experience developing NFL quarterbacks, that might help that he's lear- again, He's learning from a guy who has experience there. But other than that, I don't think so, no. Because you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence isn't running, quote-unquote, a pro-style offense, but, you know, it's still – he's going to translate well. It's, that's not going to be – I don't think that's big enough of a tiebreaker between the two for who goes one and who goes two.
2: All right, so I will say Trevor's going to go number one um, just on – maybe sort of the idea of that he's been targeted for so long. Justin has been too, but there might be people who've just had their eye on Trevor Lawrence that much longer. But I do think they're both special enough. We've talked about this before. They might be like the two best QB prospects in several years. When they get to that point, I think they will go one, two. And I think it's possible that there's intrigue on draft night, right? I mean, there could be stuff of, team's trying to jump up there could be things of they don't you know the team with the pick comes down to the last day making a decision on it like can you imagine that Nathan like if the three of us are in Cleveland and Roger Goodell Goodell walks to the podium with the pick for number one in the Cleveland draft and we don't know who it's gonna be can you imagine that
1: it's gonna be fascinating I think a lot of times these you know these deals are kind of hashed out behind the scenes ahead of time but Um, It would be fantastic intrigue, especially to have an Ohio state person in the mix there.
2: So that's, what's going to be, I think it's going to be intriguing. Um, Steven says, Justin, Nathan and I will lean Trevor, but man, I think, I think NFL
0: teams are going to be super psyched for either of them. So let's get ready. Go ahead. This might be the first time where like having the number one pick, needing that extra seven minutes and 30 seconds to make your decision makes sense. I mean, there was, I guess
2: in terms of the head to head stuff, um, Goff and Wentz were clearly the two guys um, in 16. And actually, Jameis and Mariota were similar, right? Um,
0: And then RG3 and Andrew Luck. And Andrew Luck, yeah.
2: So it it has happened. It actually has happened a decent amount of the time. That's another good one. Um, that there is some competition. But in the end, what happens is it does end up going 1-2. And so I think, like, because the people want them, people jump up for them. If you think you're at 4 and you want one of the quarterbacks, you cannot sit at four and hope Justin Fields falls to you. So I will quibble with Matt Gould's year early mock draft from that standpoint. And then I think they're both special enough. They've got to go one, two luck and RG three went one, two Winston and Mariota went one, two and Goff and Wentz went one, two. And I think, I mean, and you think Aaron Goff? are you kidding me? Even like Carson Wentz playing with a bunch in the middle of a cornfield or whatever. I don't know. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, Like, there's just no – there's no questions about them, right? It's like they come from two of the only five programs in college football that matter at this point. They were the top two recruits in the country. They both can throw. They both can move. They've both been well-coached, and they both have zero off-the-field issues. Like, again, they are practically perfect NFL quarterback prospects, and we are going to get a year of talking about it. So – Justin Fields, I think, has a chance to, to change the narrative for sure. I hate the word narrative. To change the discussion around quarterbacks in Ohio State. And I think um, a year from now, we're going to have a lot of fun with it. So that's our Justin Fields, Ohio State, QBU discussion. Big Wednesday pod coming your way. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we'll get back. Now that we're into this, right, there's, there's, there's less pressing stuff happening. We're really going to lean on text or questions in the upcoming podcast. So we're going to have the preview The schedule preview, we'll do one of those a week, starting with Bowling Green and in the Wednesday podcast, but we're going to have other things we talk about, and it's really going to be texture-driven. So if you want to be part of this podcast, help steer this podcast, join our tech subscription group now, 614-350-3315, send the text there to sign up, 14-day free trial, $3.99 a month after that. Read us at cleveland.com slash OSU. Make sure you're subscribed to Buckeye Talk because we're coming at you Every weekday, Monday through Friday. We certainly appreciate you guys listening and making us part of your day. For Stephen and Nathan, I'm Doug. Whoo, that was a long one. Oh, out of breath again. And that was Buckeye Talk.